in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as is typical, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there! Uh, I'm sorry, I was... Catching up on my chefville, I needed to make some focaccia. I was actually asking people to come over and water my plants virtually. <laughs> so you may have already guessed today's topic is a quick look, because it hasn't been that old, a quick look at the history of Zynga. And Zynga is a company that has made a big name for itself, not always in a positive way. Uh, online. And uh, if you don't know what Zynga is, it's a company that's based out of San Francisco, California, mm-hmm. as many tech companies are. And it is a video game company, but it's a game company that typically produces games that are either meant to go on mobile devices, so smartphones and tablets, or they're meant to exist on another platform like Facebook or Google+. Plus. Although you can also go to the Zynga.com homepage and play games within widgets. Yeah, and uh, if you if you weren't sitting from where we were, as soon as uh, Jonathan said that this episode was going to be about Zynga, you probably didn't hear the groans of many of our listeners. Uh, we, we heard you. It's yeah. okay. It was Hold a, on. It was like a thousand voices cried out in anguish and then were suddenly silenced. Yeah, Zynga is a, is a company that has acquired a following and a, a big group of people who have pitchforks and torches both. There there, yeah. there seem to be a few people in the middle of that, but not really. It's it's uh well we'll get into that in just a minute, but it, it does have quite a, a, a large group of people who really pick on Zynga because of its business practices. Right. Um so some people really love the the games and some of the games I don't really consider games because there's really no ending to them. They're sort of software toys, but they do they do make some games and things. And and they're they had quite a huge uh, following even just a short time ago. Yeah. Uh, but let's but it's it's an interesting story because as as Jonathan pointed out, it has been a very short time. I mean, they went from sort of nobodies in the industry competing with some of the biggest players like Electronic Arts. Right. To, you know, darlings of the computer industry and sort of toward back again. They're not quite back again, but they're, right. they're approaching it. They're hurting right as, now. As of the time we're recording this as in October recording 2012. This. Yes. And we'll get more into all of that. So this is a company that was founded by a fellow named Mark Jonathan Pincus, mm-hmm. who founded uh, uh, Zynga right around... 2007. Yeah. And and Pincus had been working, well, he held several jobs, which uh, in an interesting article we read on VentureBeat, uh, which it was a, what was it, a 12-page article about the history of Zynga? Oh, that's an amazing article. I would totally recommend people going to check this out if, because we, we can't cover the same amount of material and it it actually ends before we wanted to end too. So, but a, a lot of our our research, it's a very well written article, and we use a lot of our research yes. on, the, uh, on this. It was written by Dean Takahashi. Ah, yes. Uh, for VentureBeat, and also has been He's converted converted into a sixty three page ebook on Amazon's Kindle bookstore. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a very deep look at the history of Zynga. Now, we should say this was written in two thousand eleven. And a lot has happened since then. Yeah. But 
uh, in that article, they mentioned how Pincus had said he had essentially been fired or asked to leave every job he held uh, earlier on in his career and then came to the conclusion that what he needed to become was an entrepreneur. So working for himself rather than working for someone else who would eventually tell him to go away. Well, <laughs> that's that's what that, these are not my well. No, no, that no. was my paraphrasing of what he said. But these were his words, and and he was probably being somewhat facetious. Oh, sure. But essentially, what he was saying is that he has this desire to create businesses, and so he struck out and started struck out as in left the the corporate world yeah. not struck out as in whiffed it uh and then started to launch businesses and several of them saw some early success he uh he launched companies like freeloader incorporated uh he launched a very very early social network called tribe networks mm-hmm. which did not ultimately go anywhere right i mean it was one of those ideas where it actually uh, preceded things like MySpace and Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. so he, he was onto something. He saw the, he saw the, the horizon. He saw that social networking could be a big thing. It's just that his approach, perhaps it wasn't the right approach. Perhaps it didn't come at the right time. It might have been some sort of combination of these and other factors as well. At any rate, it did not, uh, take off like a MySpace or later on a Facebook. No, no, that's, that's true. Um, and it's also interesting to note that none of the companies that he had, uh, started before, and he, there are conflicting reports about the number of companies that he was starting and or involved with. Right. Um, there are a handful, like, uh, the ones that, that we've mentioned. Um, apparently, too, he has been quoted as saying that there were far more failures than successes, too. So he may have been involved with more of them, but they're not gaming companies. We're not talking about somebody like, you know, Trip Hawkins, yeah, this who's is- known for being, a, a you know, he, he was, uh, you know, founder of EA. Right. And, uh, you know, got into digital chocolate later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he wasn't known as a, a gaming uh, industry giant who uh, started a, a, new co- a new kind of gaming company. He, this yeah. is his first gaming foray. And uh, there's also some uh, mild controversy about the name. Uh, Zynga, he has been quoted as saying, is named after his uh, uh, dearly departed puppy dog. Yeah, bulldog. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and then there's another story that I read on a totally different article, which said that uh, he had a friend who used the online handle Muzinga. Often people would just refer to him as Zynga, and that he had named his dog after this person. but that's Which is sort of the that, same story, but only different. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit more of a no tracing it back. Like, where does it end? Uh, but anyway, he called the company Zynga. He hired on some folks like uh, Eric Shiremeyer, uh, Michael Luxton, Justin Waldron, Kyle Stewart, Scott Dale, Kevin Hagen, Steve Shuttler, and Andrew Trader. And he had these guys together, and his idea was to create these. Simple, uh, easy to learn, easy to play games because he was, he, he kind of equated it to going to a cocktail party and hanging out and just chatting for a while. You know, it's a, a pleasant experience. You don't tend to have super deep conversations at a cocktail party unless you're going to a cocktail party held by nuclear physicists. Um, but in general, you tend to talk about a lot of different things and, 
you don't get too far down into the surface, but you can have an entertaining conversation. Sort mm-hmm. of the same thing he wanted to do with these games. Like he saw the games that other companies were making that were these very deep, rich experiences. Um, lots of work developing the world and the physics or, or the game mechanics. And he said, well, you know, that there is a place for that. But what if we concentrated on games that were meant for a more casual player? Someone who, you know, enjoys the game mechanics. The, the gameplay is fun and has some sort of reward system in place so that the player feels like they should keep playing. But it doesn't need to be as deep and it doesn't have to exist on its own. It doesn't have to be like, uh, uh, you don't have to go to a store and buy a box that has a disc in it and bring it home and, and install it. It's mm-hmm. something that could exist on top of another existing platform, whether that's a web page or a social network, as it would turn out later, or a mobile device. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the uh, one of the earliest maneuvers that I think set uh, Zynga apart from its competitors was uh, it, it it launched games on MySpace. Yes. Because that was, you know, the network of choice. But it also it, it was hedging its bets on the uh, new competitor, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Back in two thousand seven, it's easy for us to forget now that now my that, the, the, yeah. Facebook has uh, beaten a billion subscribers. Now. Right. Facebook is now over wow. one billion active subscribers or, or accounts. I, accounts. I'm betting that some of those people accounts. have multiple accounts. Probably. Just a guess. Yeah, right. But still, that's a lot of accounts. Over five hundred million people. <laughs> Have accounts on Facebook. Um, but yeah, yeah, back in the day, you know, MySpace was dominating for the longest time and Facebook was only open to college students. So for a while, a lot of people thought that Facebook was going to be an also ran. It was never going to catch up. Uh, that of course is not what happened. And, and now we're in an era where MySpace is launching yet another redesign. Uh, dramatic redesign to see if they can uh, can can emerge from the doldrums and and perhaps become a player again and it may very well happen it's easy to write off myspace after its precipitous fall mm-hmm. but we've seen companies rise and fall and rise again before so you know you, n- you never say never at any rate like like chris was saying zynga they were looking ahead and saying you know we want to make sure that our what we're producing ends up getting to as many people as possible, and that means we can't uh, just uh, assume that one platform is always going to be the way people access content online. And so they started to create games that would work on Facebook. And you know, Facebook had a very limited API at the time. Like there yeah, were that's an application programming interface, right? So it, Facebook was not a platform for other programs. Early in its existence, yeah, not like it is now. Certainly, no. It it that eventually changed, and they did experiment with it fairly early. But it was, you know, it wasn't until fairly recently that it actually became an uh, a viable platform for a company to to launch an app. Uh, but back in two thousand seven, Zynga released a game on Facebook, and it was a social poker game, mm-hmm. yeah. free to play. Texas Hold'em Poker. Yep. Okay, so Zynga did a very smart thing here because, you know, this is back when poker, which had been around for a very long time, uh, you know, was just sort of sitting there under the surface waiting to be rediscovered. And 
That's about when, you know, in the mid-2000s, that's when people were really getting back on board with Which it. Which was really strange. I mean, it, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. Like, uh, suddenly there was this huge focus on poker in general, on Texas Hold'em in particular. Particular, yes. Uh, ESPN started showing it, and you thought, mm-hmm. wow, this mm-hmm. has become a sport? And, uh, you know, it, there was a lot of interest. I mean, I... I've watched my share of World Series of Poker tournaments, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a very fascinating thing. And it's you know even by 2007, that that fervor had not really died down. I would say that perhaps today there's not quite as much interest in it as there used to be. I mean, we used to see like celebrity poker tournaments and things right. on on television all the time, but it's still there's still an interest there. Yeah, and uh, so Zynga said, well, you know, let's produce a game that is on a social network that's getting a lot of attention and let's do it uh a game that's actually popular in the uh in in the zeitgeist at this moment let's let's combine these things mm-hmm. and we're going to try and capitalize on it and it worked yeah the uh it's it's kind of interesting too because this is where I mean, social gaming is now a, a a pretty big thing and so is casual gaming uh, again it's sort of like poker these things well, social gaming, no, but casual gaming has, has been around for forever and ever, you yeah. know? But the thing is, it, it wasn't the big money maker that it is now, and it is thanks in part to companies like Zynga, um, who found ways to get people back involved with it. You know, you play, let's say you play a game on a social game, a casual game on a, uh, um, you know, on, online somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've played it, and, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, the, the, the interest kind of wanes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I played it. I love that game. And, and you'll come back to it again in the future maybe. But, you know, it's you get away from it because you lose track of, you know, you have something you got to do on Tuesday night. No, on Wednesday night's kind of packed too. And after a couple of weeks you go, I'm, I just don't feel like going back. Right. But Zynga introduced the, uh, the concept of adding poker chips to this game. But uh, this is one of those things that, that Zynga has developed a reputation for acting in sort of weird ways on this this hold'em poker game they uh they had a a thing where they you could you could add more friends um you know they wanted you to get poker chips and if you would uh you know help them uh you know download by downloading this wiki tool what a problem almost uh impossible impossible to to take take out yeah yeah this was one of those things where actually this would come back to haunt pincus later where he he essentially said in a later interview that he made every horrible decision you could make in order to make money yeah. he was trying to find different ways to generate revenue and it didn't matter what impact it would have on the user experience that's that's how people have interpreted those words now whether pincus really meant truly that he tried every horrible thing or not doesn't really matter because as uh, people in, in later years uh, said, you know, they just went ahead and interpreted it as that. And sure. that became the reality, which is kind of, you know, just says, be careful what you say. Yeah. Because <laughs> later on, even if you're saying something and you're exaggerating in order to uh, make a point, people may later take that exaggeration as the gospel truth. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and whether or not it was, uh, that's how it's been interpreted. So yeah, Pincus said, we tried all these different things. And if you downloaded this wiki, the idea was that you would download this this tool and it would in the game, you would end up being rewarded with more poker chips. Mm-hmm. But again, it was a negative experience for most users. And, and even Pincus said, like, I couldn't figure out how to remove this thing once I installed it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
it, there were other ways of trying to generate revenue. And in fact, uh, the game was profitable for Zynga. They ended up raising some money. It wasn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it was important to Pincus that they, they show that the company was capable of generating revenue before he went out to seek a round of funding. Yes. He didn't want to go out and hit venture capitalists without first being able to say, look, I can prove to you that what we're doing has a place in this market. It, this company has a demonstrable value because we're able to make money. Otherwise, you're just going up to capitalists and saying, hey, look, this game is really popular. A lot of people are playing it. You should give me money. <laughs> like until you can you prove give me money. Yeah, until you can prove that all those people are generating revenue for you, it's really hard to get the, uh, investors on board. I mean, Twitter has seen this uh, for for years since Twitter started. They had a lot of users, but for the longest time, there was really no revenue generating uh, uh, operation there. I mean, there was just very little, uh, if any, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know, essentially the way to, to convince venture capitalists to invest in something like Twitter is to say it's a huge, huge service. Millions of people are using it and depending upon it. Uh, the gap that it would leave if it went away is enormous. Therefore, it is valuable. All we have to do is figure out the way of uh, tapping into that value. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for some investors. But Pincus was like, no, I want to make sure that I have a good story to tell when I go and visit these venture capitalists. And he did. And so in 2007, he actually had the first round of, uh, 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 venture capital and, and was able to get, uh, investments then. He was also, um, well, back in January of 2008, cause it was late 2007 when he started pursuing it. In January 2008, they raised about $5 million from various venture capital funds. And then, uh, six months later, they did a second round of, uh, fundraising and raised another 29 million. And at that point, they also hired on someone as a sort of consultant mm-hmm. named Bing Gordon, who was a, uh, a former chief creative officer with Electronic Arts. So here is someone who has had experience with a major video game company coming on board with Zynga. Uh, the, the, the title most often uh, given to Mr. Gordon is consigliere, which for those of you who are fans of the Godfather trilogy will think, wow. <laughs> so some sort of quote unquote family consultant <laughs> has joined on. Well, it's, it's kind of funny since, uh, Mafia Wars was the, the big cross platform hit for Zynga at that point. Yes. So there. Which, that may may or may not be related. Yeah, and it, yeah. This also, is, the uh, the acquisition of Yeovil, which mm-hmm. is still you know moving along out there. They they have uh, continued to support that game. Now, Mafia Wars raises one of the big big stories within Zynga, uh, which is something that would haunt them for years. Um, the, the few short years that have existed between when Mafia Wars has come out and today, but. The, one of the issues about Mafia Wars was that people pointed out there was an earlier game called Mob Wars, which um, Mafia Wars bore a certain similarity to Mob Wars. Some would say to the point of identity. This is another one of those points which the 
uh, Zynga detractors like to make. Yeah. Um, which is, and it's not completely unwarranted. Um, yeah, that Zynga. I, I will, I will neither, uh, say that it is or isn't warranted. Right. I will just say that many of Zynga's games bear a striking resemblance to other, other games. popular, successful social network games. And, and there are, there have. This was the first right, real. And, right. And there, there have been people from Zynga, like former employees who have said that the message essentially, according to these former employees, was that find games out there that work, copy them and do whatever you have to do to be as popular or more popular than the previous game. Now, whether or not that was actually a, uh, a directive within Zynga, I cannot say. This may very well be the words of employees who have, uh, you know, an axe to grind against the company and they're saying whatever they want to kind of disparage it. I don't know. I, I don't want to pass judgment seeing as how I don't have that direct experience, but there have been people who have essentially accused Zynga, former employees who have accused Zynga of purposefully setting out to copy other games and to use the popularity of Zynga and its broad reach to essentially uh, co-opt those games from the original creators. Mm-hmm. Now, with the case of Mob Wars and Mafia Wars, there's some more murky issues there. Uh, the Zynga executives were saying things along the lines of, you know, we were in talks of actually uh, acquiring Mob Wars, but then the guy who designed Mob Wars learned about how Zynga was going into selling virtual goods in order to generate revenue. Here's another way of generating revenue with a free-to-play game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, besides convincing you to download tools that you will never get rid of as a way of generating revenue by making a partnership with whomever is creating the tool, another way is to sell virtual goods that give you some sort of edge or some sort of uh, – uh, customization ability within a virtual game mm-hmm. for real money. And once the guy from Mob Wars saw that, then he began to incorporate those same features within Mob Wars. So Zynga has said, wait, no, the guy from Mob Wars was copying us. So yes, our game is also about mafia warfare, but our game was built around this idea of selling virtual goods. His wasn't until he heard about it from us. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of there's this crossfire of accusations between the two groups, right? Yes. But in the end, you have Mafia Wars coming out and there were uh, lawsuits about you know infringing copyright and infringing uh, intellectual property. And this was not the one and only time this happened to Zynga. That's happened uh, you know in other with other games as well, uh, including one that uh, one of the more popular games that Zynga uh, pushed out was Farmville. And there was another farm-based game that, again, people said this bears a, a certain resemblance to this other game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, there are conflicting reports about whether or not the people at Zynga were aware of that game, whether they were pur- purposefully trying to copy it, or if the, this was just a parallel development issue. Um, yeah. one, and, and again, we don't have the whole story. Right. One, one, uh, one report suggests that uh, one of the venture capital fund uh fund managers had said uh or or I guess the the people at the venture capital firm had said you know why don't you do a farm game yeah i i don't know it, it it's it's very difficult to tell um and uh you know there are a lot of stories that fly around and when you when you have this kind of uh corporate drama going on 
Right. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, uh, certainly Farmville is another one of those games that, that, you know, came out at the same, you know, time frame uh, a little later than another very popular farm game. So, you know, it's easy to make that comparison. Yeah. And, uh, and also this is the time where if you were on Facebook during this time, you began to get, uh, irritated if you were not a fan of these games at the numerous, uh, notifications you would receive whenever your friends were raising sheep or planting corn and <laughs> you had learned that their field of corn needed watering or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enough. Anyway. So yeah, this was, this was a, a time where people who were not fans of this game became haters of the games because their, their Facebook uh, notifications were starting to fill up with these, these game notifications, yeah. uh, which you could hide. And many of us chose that option immediately. Well, um, you know, many, many people have talked about, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the, the founder of Facebook and whether or not he sees everybody's, you know, personal privacy or, you know, everybody wants to have these connections to your friends and, you know, these, these questions. Well, Mark Pincus is another person who basically says, you know, Hey, playing games is fun when you do it socially. So yeah. the Zynga games, uh, from when I first became aware of them at least, which is, I would, I would guess Farmville. I think I became, familiar with Mafia Wars afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's one of the very first things you do. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to try it out, see what it was all about. And one of the very first things they ask you to do when you, when it comes on is, Hey, what other friends? And they look at your Facebook list of friends. Um, you know, they, they made it possible to look at just the ones that are playing the game. But for the most part, they say, Hey, who in this entire list of friends wants a free bale of hay? Yeah. Or, or yeah, what, you know. you know, wouldn't these people really like to play? And, you know, your playing experience will be much better the more mm-hmm. friends you have playing it. And, you know, there is something about social gaming. I, I don't, I don't mean to disparage social gaming at no, all. No, no. Uh-uh. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of social games out there that I think are lots of fun, particularly if you have a lot of friends who are also into that game. And then there are games out there that if you're the only one playing, they aren't fun at all. You yeah. know, you need other people playing that game to make it worthwhile. I, I would argue that with my experiences with Zynga, uh, titles, that that's very much the case with a lot of these Ville games. Yeah. You didn't see the, the dash right before the right. Ville. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you, well, there's an option. This is another one of Zynga's, uh, you know, one where they've been on the forefront of, of this movement is, Hey, you don't have to, if you don't want to share this with 50 of your friends, that's fine. You can pay up real money if you'd like to have in game money. That would be just fine with us. Right. So again, we're getting over to that virtual goods for real money. And yeah. in fact, that became the chief way that Zynga made money for a long time. Like yeah. 95% of the revenue that Zynga made came from selling virtual goods. And of course, with that model, you want as many people as possible playing your game. Now, the game itself is free. So just because you have a half million people playing a game doesn't mean you're making money off of them. But even if a, only a small percentage of that 500 million are ponying up real cash for virtual goods, that's a lot of money. I mean, when you're talking about huge numbers like that, even a small percentage can be a significant amount of cash. And that's also why Zynga released so many games. It wasn't like, you know, a, a, a game company that might have one or two titles, uh, maybe, maybe as many as six titles in a year. They're releasing games all the time. And 
Uh, Pincus is not afraid to pull the plug on a game if he sees that it's not really working. He's, yeah. he's killed off games early, early on in the process when he said, okay, no one is really sharing this among this test group. Uh, that tells me that this is not a very sticky game. Sticky meaning that this is the sort of thing that people like to go back to and they like to share it. Uh, once he saw that, he said, all right, let's get rid of that because we shouldn't be dedicating any resources to something that's not getting results. Now, this also meant that people who worked for Zynga might be working on a project that ultimately could get the plug pulled on it shortly after launch. And you had such a quick turnaround rate that you were always working. That, that working for Zynga could be a very demanding uh, experience. And uh, in fact, I, I did a look, I, I looked at the, um, at, at some surveys uh, online about uh, employee reaction to working for Zynga. And uh, 51% of the people who worked there said that they would recommend Zynga to a friend who was looking for employment. So 50, just over half would say Zynga is a good place to work. And, and when was that, when was that study? Uh, it, well, the, 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 the latest I saw was for 2012, but that could have been early 2012 because we're going to get into Zynga's more recent experience in a little bit. But yeah. the other thing was that 59% said they thought that Pincus was doing a good job as CEO of Zynga. So that means 41% were either not impressed or actively they did not like what he's doing. Yeah. Well, if you look at it strictly as a business model, um, the game, the games themselves are uh, brilliant because not only are they social games, um, they encourage you to add friends and play with your your Facebook friends. But in addition to that, they they want you to you know spend a few real life dollars in there as well. I mean, you can, you can play without spending any real cash. And, and in fact, I have never spent a cent on any of the games. However, I can tell you that playing it with no or few friends without spending cash makes them maddeningly slow yeah, and difficult to achieve anything. They, they like to en- encourage you to buy a, a special building or a, a specific decoration for your, Castle slash farm slash city slash whatever mafia, yeah, um, and you know you can you can you can maybe have your friends give you one, or you could you know spend five dollars and and earn enough in game cash to do that, or or maybe you're building something a large building in your your world, and uh, you know if you just fork over a few dollars, it'll happen that much faster, and that, yeah. and it makes more in game money than anything else, and the thing is. All of a sudden, you've encouraged your friends to start playing, and they're all spending well, you know, five dollars, ten dollars of their money, and so on. Yeah, and so it it's a up. brilliant business model if you can get enough people to do it. And he, and also they pointed out that once they get this network in place, they don't have to win over everyone who's playing every time because if they get just a few. If I have a lot of friends playing games on Zynga and then a few of them start playing a new game, that may tempt me to try out the new game as well. And so I, you know, the idea is that once you get that big net of users, that network of users, then you've, you've got enough seeds planted, Farmville or otherwise, to try and convince more people to try out new games as you release them. So yeah. even when you get tired of an old game, a new game might come along and you want to play that. And that did work. 
for a while. In fact, when that article that we were citing earlier, the VentureBeat article, when that was written back in 2011, uh, Zynga was on the rise. I mean, they were doing really, really well. Uh, they held an IPO. And, uh, and that IPO, their, their stock was originally. That's initial public offering. Yes, initial of stock. public offering. Thank you. Uh, they held that, uh, back in, uh, December 2011. So at the end of 2011, they had this IPO and originally their stock was priced at $10. Uh, by March 2012, that price had gone up to $14.50 per share. So the stock was, uh, was increasing in value. But, some stuff has happened since then. <laughs> One of those things is a pretty spectacular deal that Zynga made with another company called OMG Pop. Yeah. Which uh, created a little game called Draw Something. Yes. Now, Draw Something was incredibly popular. Uh, like, shortly after it came out, that's pretty much what I heard all of my friends in the tech industry, that's all I heard from them. Like yeah. on their Twitter feeds and everything, they talked about Draw Something and how fun it was. And uh, and it did have a pretty incredible adoption rate. And Oh, yeah. It was it was soaring. They were the darling, sudden darling of the uh, uh, mobile and online gaming, uh, casual gaming thing. Because basically it was a, a drawing game where the uh, your opponent – wasn't actually your opponent. They were actually working with you. Yeah, it's Pictionary. To, yeah, essentially. Yeah. So the 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 game was incredibly popular, and so Zynga looked at that and said, "Well, we should take advantage of this. We should use this capital that we've raised through mm-hmm. the IPO and just through our revenues and everything else, and uh, and purchase this company uh, because it would be a very valuable asset in our uh, our repertoire." And so. They did for around $180 million. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that they bought that company just before it hit its peak in, uh, in adoption. And then shortly thereafter, people began to lose interest in the game through no fault of the game. This is just the way we work as human beings. Like we find something new and fun and we go crazy about it. And then after we get used to it for a while, we just stop thinking about it so much and we don't use it as much. Um, the same thing is true, very true, with a lot of casual games. In fact, Zynga seen that uh, over its history, and that's one of the reasons why Zynga releases these games so frequently. It's because you can't just release a game, even if you created a truly amazing game, like something that someone would play and there'd be nothing but p- praise said about that game. It has a shelf life. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you might have the long tail experience where you've got people who are finding the game late and adopting it late, but it's never going to be as many or as intense as that early era when people first discover it. Well, same thing happened with Draw Something. And so even though it was this phenomenal success at the time when Zynga was looking into buying it, shortly thereafter, people stopped playing it, or at least huge numbers of people stopped playing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it suddenly looked like Zynga had paid Way too much money for a company. Like they, they had seriously overvalued OMG Pop when they acquired it. Uh, that's not the only company that Zynga has acquired. They've acquired other companies as well in their, uh, their quest to, 
uh, succeed as a company. Um, and in other cases, it's it's kind of similar. In fact, there were uh, times where Zynga was looking at things like a PopCap Games. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not bought by Zynga. There was another company that swept that up. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Zynga reportedly made a bigger offer for um, the indie legend, uh, gaming legend PopCap than uh, than Electronic Arts. Right. The eventual winner did. But um, they actually turned it down. Uh, and, of course, now they have gone. Uh, by the way, the uh, PopCap is known for uh, titles like Bejeweled, yep. uh, Plants vs. Zombies, yep. uh, Zuma. Yep. And, uh, you know, they they had made the move from being a uh, computer-based developer to the mobile world um, and, uh, you know, also to um, uh, also to the social gaming sites, you mm-hmm. know, Facebook. They've, uh, you know, Bejeweled Blitz and Zuma Blitz are among the largest, most durable titles that I've seen. Um, you know, come and go on the Facebook platform. And, uh, you know, they, it was certainly one of those, those companies that had proven its ability to create new titles, unlike some other people. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there was definitely something there. And, uh, despite the, the bidding war, uh, and the apparent, according to reports, winner, uh, being Zynga, they decided to go with EA. Now, why did they decide to go with EA? That's, a matter of some debate. It's it's sort of unclear. Yeah, they haven't said specifically, but r- rumors, you know, rumors of course spread when something like that happens, and they said, well, you know, maybe there's something there. Yeah, maybe there's some sort there's of personal conflict, or maybe they knew something about Zynga. Or what don't well, we know? At any rate, uh, Zynga in in 2012 hit its peak and then dropped. The stock price dropped. the The adoption rate for the games dropped. Um, Things just turned for the worse in every way, really, for Zynga, uh, to the point where I think the lowest price so far as of the recording of this podcast was $2.31 a share. Now, remember, it launched at $10 a share and hit a peak of $14.50 a share earlier this year. You know, it hasn't even been a whole year since that happened. And uh, as of the recording of this podcast, uh, we, we're recording on October 12th. Uh, and this morning before the the uh, the market opened, the price was at $2.43 a share. It has dropped since we started recording this podcast to $2.42 a share. Yeah. So, uh, and that's actually up. It had, it had gone down a penny or two below that. Oh, okay. So it's – yeah. No, granted, moment by moment, this value yeah. changes. So it's you – know, you always have to take that with a grain of salt. But oh, 241 I've, but I've heard I've heard a lot of uh, you know I was looking into a lot of uh, projections. Okay, I'll stop. I was looking into a lot of projections, and most of them <laughs> had the the stock price valued at around three dollars yeah. for the next twelve months or so. Uh, now, granted, it took less than twelve months for it to go from fourteen fifty to to two thirty one, but you know that's that's sort of the projections by a lot of analysts right now. Yes, and part of that is because. There seems to be a decreasing tendency for people to play social games on, uh, or, or games at all on social networks. Uh, there was a survey done in 2010 that found that, uh, that 56% of students who were surveyed in this, uh, study said they planned on playing fewer social games in the next year. 
And uh, so that, you know, more than half of the students were saying, I don't think I'm going to be playing as much. It's just not for me. That was back in 2010. Yeah. So if that trend is more widespread than just among students, then that would suggest that perhaps, you know, social gaming was one of those early distractions that was very, you know, had a, had a big impact when it first came out. But it's becoming increasingly difficult to replicate that in the social gaming world. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that someone's not going to come around and create a game that just knocks everybody's socks off. It may very well happen today or tomorrow or you know a year from now. But the trend is a decreasing uh, interest in social games in the online platform. Um, there's part of that might be made up for mobile. I mean, you could you know if. These companies are able to really concentrate on the mobile experience. They might be able to recapture that because mobile is still a very popular uh, platform. In fact, it's you know increasingly popular. So that might be a way that Zynga can turn things around. Uh, and there are a lot of other ways. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a businessman by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, while while Zynga's plight looks great indeed to my eyes, it doesn't mean that. Pincus and team can't turn it around, or perhaps, you know, maybe some other company will come in and purchase Zynga. I've seen some speculation about Facebook, although at this point I'm wondering if Facebook would look at Zynga and say, this looks like it's something that we would have wanted four years ago, <laughs> but not now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot of intellectual property uh, to be had right. uh, there, and which uh, often is under some contention as to whether or not it truly belongs to Zynga. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no. And and that's, you know, that this is where we get into that hazy, well, you know, it's a farm game. So, you know, who, you know, is this sufficiently different enough from that one? No, that, that's true. But, um, you know, of course, uh, there, there are some, some ori- more original titles. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's possible that, um, that may happen. Although, uh, you know, when I happened to go look at the stock price just a moment ago, there is also news, again, as of the time we're starting this podcast, that uh, Mark Pincus is suggesting he wants to take the company private again. Wow. So, yeah, there were, who knows? There, there was something else. I didn't mention this when we were talking about it, but I did. There was another part of that VentureBeat article that was kind of interesting about how uh, – the the company had made uh, some money back in back in 2008. Uh, the revenue for Zynga was around 19.4 million dollars, mm-hmm. but because it was a private company, it didn't have to release the fact that their cost or that their losses amounted to 22.1 million for the year, meaning mm-hmm. that their costs far outweighed their revenue. Uh, but it was a private company, so there was no requirement for them to release that information. Uh, but as a as a publicly traded company, you have to do that. So yes. when things are bad, you can't cover it up. You know, you can try and obfuscate it with language when you're doing your press conference and talk about the opportunity you have. Mm-hmm. If you hear the word opportunity said a lot, that can sometimes be a red flag. Yes, it is. I'm not saying it's the red flag in every case. So if you just recently heard the word opportunity at your uh, all hands meeting. <laughs> that does not necessarily mean you need to panic, but it's sometimes one of those little words that can indicate that there's, uh, 
less than positive things going on on the business side. Right. Um, They're not problems. They're opportunities. Well, you have to think of it that way, right? Right. I mean, if you don't, if you don't think of it that way, then not only is morale an issue, but you actually do start to sabotage yourself in turning things around. So not to really put down anyone who tries to look at things as opportunities. I actually think that's a pretty positive way to go about it, as long as you're being genuine, right? I mean, if you're being insincere in calling it an opportunity, that's a problem. But if you look at it and say, all right, this message that I'm getting here says we're not doing as good a job as we need to, what do we need to do to change to do as good a job? Uh, There have been some uh, suggestions that Zynga should cut costs by perhaps... Uh, uh, laying off employees and consolidating departments. One of the flip sides to that is if you start cutting costs, then you're also cutting into the resources you have to develop new games. Right. So you're actually making it harder on yourself to create the product that will help make the money that you need to make in order to become profitable again or to, mm-hmm. to turn things around. So – it becomes this kind of domino effect, right? You start to cut costs. You start to lay people off. You start to consolidate departments. It becomes harder for you to make a good game because it's harder for you to make a good game. Fewer people are following you. And so it just you know, continues until your company crumbles away. Yeah. So it's a really challenging thing, and I don't have all the answers because you know, it's easy to say, no, keep everybody, make good stuff. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's – that's that's the kind of leadership that doesn't get you anywhere. That's <laughs> that would be my leadership style. Yeah. Kind of like Homer Simpson. Are you guys working? Yes. Could you work harder? I guess so. Okay. Do that. <laughs> that's that's kind of my leadership style, which is why I am a senior writer. <laughs> All right then. Uh well, I guess that kind of wraps up where Zynga is right now. And again, this this is a company that's had a real roller coaster story. And, and some of it's a little shady and some of it's a little, uh, you know, uh, on the level of, of could this be creating yet another bubble within the tech industry? Um, it's business. It's business. Yeah. And, and it, just like any other business venture, you cannot count out a company until it's gone. And even then, sometimes they come back. But so Zynga may turn things around. They might find the secret sauce needed to really get people invested in the company. Both figuratively and literally, and uh, you know maybe it'll happen, uh, but it could very well be that this might serve just as a warning to other people who want to launch their own companies. You can see some really uh, uh, great success early on if you're doing, you know, if you're hitting all the right beats, but sometimes that that's short-term success, and it'll come at the cost of a long-term success. Yes. Um, well, we'll wrap that up here. If you ha- guys have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, why don't you send us a little note? You can do that via email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there with the handle techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 